Hi, just realized I was on mute. Let's start again. President Biden mentioned shipping in his State of the Union, but he mentioned ocean shipping companies being cartels. Is that right? Are these Ocean Alliance shipping cartels? Well, not exactly. Let's dive in. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain. I'm Lauren Began, founder of Squall Strategies, a maritime legal consulting company, and I'm your favorite maritime industry LinkedIn Live host. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there's no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So before we get into the discussion of alliances... Let's go through my top three stories of the week. Well, we had a couple different things happening this week. We had the FMC and the Department of Justice sign an, a memorandum of understanding. I'll be getting into that a little bit later um, this week. You'll see some follow-up video on it, uh, but I wanted to highlight it. Um, number two story, the Federal Maritime Commission Chairman Daniel Maffei had a brave heart moment. You can't take my freedom, or, or maybe just yells out freedom. Um, so G-Captain reported um, on the Department of Justice FMC Memorandum of Understanding. So does it mean that the Department, Chairman Maffei said, does it mean that the Justice Department is taking over the FMC over my dead body? Does it mean that the FMC will have the resources it needs to go after behavior against the Shipping Act if we find it? Yes, it does, says Chairman Maffei. I'm excited to see that. The FMC, as we've talked about multiple times, is an independent regulatory agency, and Chairman Maffei is really digging in on that. Love to see it. The FMC is independent, but it's great to work with the Department of Justice. Um, you know, the FMC is a smaller agency, and so seeing them work with the Department of Justice and have the available extra resources will make a difference for the FMC. And the top three, the third, rounding out the top three stories, the number three story of the week is cybersecurity in the U.S. Senate. Uh, President Biden may not have mentioned cybersecurity. It was notably absent from his State of the Union. But the U.S. Senate, the very same day, passed a bill requiring reporting to CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, if you have a cyber attack. 
This is incredibly important as numerous reports are saying that supply chain will remain a prime target for, for cyber attacks. So why is this important? Why is this reporting important? If we don't know the attacks are happening, we can't track them um, and we can't warn others. So tracking and data yield intelligence, I've said that before, data equals power. And this applies to cyber attacks and supply chain, um, which we've discussed this plenty of times. But if we have this reporting requirement, then we'll start to know as a collective, we will start to know when cyber attacks are happening. Um, you know, timing is of the essence when it comes to cyber attacks. And so that that is um, incredibly important in this res respect. And so I'm encouraged to see that the Senate passing some bills on this. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day. President Biden gave a State of the Union address this week and talked about cracking down on shipping company cartels. He said cartels previously. So let's dive into it. Are alliances cartels? Not really. Let's dive in deeper here. So what are alliances anyways? That's what I wanted to cover today. What are alliances? So they're essentially vessel pooling arrangements. So one of the general purpose statements taken from one of the agreements has the purpose as to authorize the parties to share vessels with one another, charter and exchange space on one another's vessels, and to enter into cooperative working arrangements in connections with the party's service and operations in the trade in order to improve efficiency, minimize costs, and provide high quality service to the shipping public. So what does that mean? They're vessel sharing agreements, they're pooling of ships. Um, you know, so it, it's interesting that the whole intention was high quality service to the shipping public. What needs to be understood here is for a very long time, the industry didn't make much money. Um, it's hard to believe right now with the billions of dollars being made these days, but in 08, 09, 2010, I mean, they were lucky to be out of the red. So these companies started looking at vessel sharing space to help streamline the cargo movement. And sometimes in describing what these alliances are, it's also helpful to describe what they're not. So they're not rate setting clubs. Um, they're not conferences, a previous structure of the shipping industry. You know, um, among other things, in 1998, a major overhaul of deregulation happened. And, you know, any, any sort of essences of, of conferences went away. Um, so conferences were essentially membership clubs. You had to sometimes pay dues and the conferences set the rates. We don't have that anymore. So we don't have this alliance for rate setting. Um, really, this is vessel pooling. So this is allowing each other and any of the companies that are in these alliances to share space and to really try to make it easier for the shipper, the person who wants to ship their goods, to get their stuff across the ocean. So how many alliances are there? And, and who's in what? There's three alliances. Let me repeat that. There's three alliances these days. And while their membership has shifted a little in the past few years since their creation, the big guys have generally stayed put in their alliance groupings. So who are they? What are these three alliances? So you have the Ocean Alliance, you have 2M Alliance, and you have the Alliance or T-H-E Alliance, as I've sometimes heard it called. So who are in these alliances? The Ocean Alliance has Costco, which also includes OOCL. They have CMA-CGM, and they have Evergreen Line. The 2M Alliance, as you might suspect, has Maersk and MSC. Get it? 2M? And the third of the alliances is THE Alliance, or The Alliance, um, which includes Hapag Lloyd, One, the Ocean Network Express, Hyundai Merchant Marine, and Yangming. So how do these alliances get filed with the FMC? How do they even start? 
And, and what's the benefit? So Ocean Alliances actually enjoy a limited antitrust immunity for these ocean carriers by filing an application with the FMC and allowing 45 days to pass. That's it, just 45 days. So here's something that's not well understood. The FMC does not have the authority to deny these applications. And they're approved by the 45-day time period just passing. So in that time, the FMC can ask questions, and that will toll or stop the clock. So the 45 days might be extended beyond a true 45 days if a question is, is asked of the, of the um, filing alliance. But they cannot indefinitely stop the clock amounting to a denial. Um, you know, they can't ask a question and, and make it so cumbersome that the alliance never gets back to them. Um, you know, obviously, the alliance files their applications. They want to see it go forward. Um, so they, they, they can toll that clock. They can stop that clock, which can, which can afford a little bit more time for the FMC. But for the most part, it keeps moving forward. So in order for the FMC to deny the alliance, like I said, they can't outright deny it. They can't submit an application, put a stamp on it and say, denied. The FMC actually is required to bring a suit against the alliance application with proof of why it should not be allowed. And that's their way of denying this application. So sometimes they'll say, well, why did the FMC approve this? Because well, there's no mechanism for denying it other than bringing a case against them. And, and that's cumbersome. And remember, this all needs to happen within 45 days of filing um, with, you know, taking into account these tolling periods, these stop the clock periods. But that's a big ask of a small agency that only has 120 full-time employees. And remember, not all 120 employees are attorneys waiting to file against alliances. They have the regular usual offices. They have IT, they have managing director's office. They have a bunch of different offices. So not all 120 people are dedicated to this alliance. The general counsel's office is actually fairly small. So just like any federal agency, they have these all, all they have all the regular offices. So remember, for the FMC to deny an alliance agreement, they have to bring a suit against the alliance within 45 days. So during yesterday's Senate executive session, this inability to deny the application was brought up as a possible fix that Congress could make. So as you might know, Congress is starting to review um, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act and potentially creating some new statutory variances that would modify the FMC's um, authorities with respect to the Shipping Act. So the Shipping Act is the statute that gives the FMC, the Federal Maritime Commission, all of their authorities here. So along with the potential to limit the antitrust immunity of the alliances by making this maybe make a denial, they might also make a temporal element. So for example, in other words, an expiration date that the alliance must be renewed. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but currently there are no expiration dates to these alliances. So all of these alliances were filed in a roughly 2016. So they've been around for, what's that, about six years or so? I mean, this is a, still a brand new structure. So tell me more. Why do people call these arrangements cartels? Why is that floating around out there? You know, so I would say that this is a little bit of a misunderstanding of alliances and what their role is, um, and really maybe a misunderstanding to how they were created, how they were reviewed um, initially. Um, you know, they, they weren't just filed with the FMC. They were fi filed all over the world. Um, so prior to their formation in roughly 2016, it was tough for ocean carriers. We've talked about that before. Um, they were barely making even. They were barely covering their operating capital. They were certainly nowhere near the billions of dollars that they're making now. Um, so, And it was, I mean, it was unheard of that they might even potentially make billions of dollars. So 
At that time, in an attempt to ensure that service wasn't harmed, they developed the idea of sharing space on vessels and on routes. And so all of these carriers had so many open slots on their vessels and voyages that this was the way that they could work together to help fill up those open slots on their ships. And in turn, the thought was provide more routes with better pricing for the shipper, which is the person who actually wants to ship their stuff via this ocean transit. Imagine that. They had all of these vessels and too much space. Now, a lot of people are coming over to supply chain and realizing and learning that that's partly why the price is rising so much, because there just isn't enough space on all these vessels. You've heard we've heard a couple of these larger companies buying more vessels. But, you know, instead of buying the vessels previously, they were sharing the space because there was so much space. So that doesn't really sound like a cartel, does it? Well, I mean, it's not. Um, When it was reviewed, the Federal Maritime Commission, under the direction of then Chairman Mario Cordero, created the Global Regulatory Summit. So this was an effort by the FMC to meet with other major regulatory authorities of ocean shipping and essentially compare notes and chat about how this new idea of an alliance was going to be reviewed. They didn't agree on the exact threshold. Um, You know, they, they didn't say this is the number that we want market share to be below, but they realized that they were all pretty much in the same range of permissible market share. For the most part, um, this was around the 20, 30% market share per alliance. So a little note here, in the European Union, alliances are actually called consortiums. So you might sometimes hear it referred to as such. I'm going to continue saying alliances, but just know that consortiums are pretty much the same thing. So this first global regulatory summit was held in 2013, when the first idea of alliances was starting to come around. Um, You know, the parties of the global regulatory summit are always the same three. So it's the United States through the Federal Maritime Commission, the European Union through the European Commission's Directorate General for Competition, or DG Comp, and the People's Republic of China via the Ministry of Transportation in the Water Transport Bureau. So you have the EU... U.S. and China getting together periodically. There's no set schedule, but periodically, as as time permits, um, they've had about four or five meetings so far since 2013, the first meeting. But these three parties get together. And for the most part, the topics of discussion are pretty wide ranging. They might cover observed market, excuse me, observed market conditions and industry trends. They might cover operational and business practices of carriers, and they might update each other on each delegation updating on changes to regulations and laws governing shipping. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but are there terms of expiration included in these alliance agreements? So in general, they're not required to have an expiration date or a reapplication date for their agreement date. So don't be confused here. They're still subject to stringent monitoring. The FMC is still watching what these alliances do, and they're still required to submit certain information to the FMC so that the FMC can kind of keep an eye on them. Um, For the most part, this is going to be business confidential information, but the FMC still does receive it. It might not be available to the public, but the FMC is watching. However, these alliances don't need to reapply after a certain number of years. So once they apply and once they get, as we said, approved, after the 45 days expires and they haven't had a suit brought against them, they're there and they're there until something bad happens or somebody brings suit against them or, or, you know, they dissolve. So there's no expiration date here in that Senate commission, in that Senate um, commerce hearing yesterday, chairman Maffei and commissioner Dye were in front of the U S Senate commerce committee executive session. And were asked just about this point. 
Chairman Maffei actually said he would welcome an expiration period if that were to be created by Congress um, through this new Ocean Shipping Reform Act. A few of the senators were starting to kind of ask questions about, well, how can we make it so that you can you can be monitoring these areas or, or maybe how can we make this process a little bit better? And expiration dates came up. I think that that might not be a bad idea. You know, it may be a, a period that it gets a full review, a reapplication. Um, you know, business tends to, you know, like the the continuity of, of these alliances or of these agreements, but perhaps having a check-in period um, wouldn't be such a bad idea. So each alliance agreement has their own expiration or at least some sort of a, a term discussion. Um, so the ocean agreements, the ocean alliance agreement um, talks about having a preliminary 10-year term where nobody's actually allowed to leave the alliance. Um, you know, I can imagine that they're doing that because when this was first created, this was something nobody had really ever seen in this type of in this type of formation before. Um, Non-rate agreements, but vessel sharing, you know, pooling agreements. So they they set this 10-year term where nobody was allowed to leave the alliance. And then after March 2027, um, originally this was a five-year term, but then it was amended to actually be 10 years. Um, after this 10-year term, a party could leave as long as they gave 12 months notice. So then after 2027, if nobody left at that point, then the term was extended indefinitely with the 12 months notice still in play. The 12 months notice to leave still in play. 2M Alliance has a very similar construct. Uh, 2M has a 10-year term of agreement with a two years notice for leaving the agreement. Um, But they can't actually, they put this in place that they can't actually submit the two-year notice of leaving um, before eight years have passed. So it looks like there's a theme here among all of these alliances where they wanted to make sure that there was kind of this buy-in period where you didn't just bail out right away. And so they wanted to see, will this experiment work? And so for the most part, it, it's been um, it's been created in these in these agreements and with some sort of but not before here, can you leave? The alliance or THE alliance has a 13 year term. Initially, they had a five year term and then they extended that to um, a period extending to 2030. So the right to withdraw is a 12 month notice, but not before this initial period that was extended to April 1st, 2030. So that ended up being it went from a five year term out to a 13 year term. Like I said, initially, a lot of these had five year terms, but those were later to amended to at least 10 year terms. And I want to point out, these expiration notices also have provisions for insolvency, bankruptcy, material change in company status. Um, You know, there's special considerations for if that happens. But all things being equal, they have this initial buy-in period where you have to stay. And then they give you, they want to give adequate notice to both the members of the alliance and um, the person who might, the company who might be trying to leave. So this week, the FMC chairman, Dan Maffei, was also quoted in G-Captain as having said, quote, the FMC could take legal action against carriers if the rapid inflation of rates is due to some kind of artificial limitation on the supply of cargo space. But even after we've increased the reporting requirements and deepened our analysis so far, we found no evidence of anything like that that's actionable. And furthermore, neither has the European Union or China. Now, we clarified those comments yesterday at the Senate Commerce hearing, saying he wasn't saying that they haven't found collusion. You know, I just read his initial comments here as saying, we're not finding the smoking gun that everybody says they clearly see. And so why is that? I think it's because the general public doesn't really understand that there are actually three alliance groupings here, and they do compete with each other. So perhaps the FMC could review the respective market shares a little bit more closely. 
I mean, I'm sure they're doing that, but let's talk about it. So for example, the vessels owned by each alliance, 2M and the Ocean Alliance have roughly 1,300 vessels, 1,300 vessels, while the Alliance has about half of that, which, you know, is still a lot of vessels. Also, vessel numbers don't necessarily equal TEU capacity. Um, a look at that shows approximately 8-ish million TEU capacity for both 2M and the Ocean Alliance, where the Alliance is roughly half of that. So, the top alliances are still competitive, arguably the top two more competitive than the third, but there are more members in that third alliance and the alliance. So there you have it, a snapshot overview of the alliances. They're not so nefarious by creation, although their oversight may need a little tweaking. Their creation was for the intention of streamlining the availability of ocean shipping cargo capacity opening up the spots people could book without having to shop around each and every vessel, and in turn, creating a better service environment for shippers. Like I said, those who want to ship their cargo. So with the increased demand that we've seen throughout the pandemic, it certainly has had an effect on the serviceability of these ocean cargo routes. And of course, the service level has gone down. Everybody is at full capacity now. So does that mean that the ocean carrier's hands are entirely clean? No, not necessarily. There's a lot of different things at play here. Detention and demurrage is a huge area that's being reviewed right now by the Federal Maritime Commission. And there's an open rulemaking on these very topics. As we've discussed before, detention and demurrage, D&D, are the surcharges assessed for the use of either the cargo box or the space the box takes up on the yard. Now, this is supposed to be used to incentivize the movement of cargo. We've talked about that before. D&D, the FMC has said it is supposed to be used for the incentivization of the movement of cargo. It's recently come under appropriate question because there isn't consistency in its application, its use, and quite frankly, has been assessed pretty unfairly in certain circumstances. We've chatted about that before, um, but make sure to get your comments in on the advance notice of proposed rulemaking. We talked about that last week. I have a lot of content out on LinkedIn on that. Those comments are due March 17th. So we have just under 10 days, just over 10 days before those comments are due. And they've actually already had a handful of comments come in. So you can go check those out. They are public. Remember, when you file your comments, they will also be public unless you ask for the confidentiality. But there's a whole, a whole um, explanation on how to request that. It's not just granted. It has to have certain qualifying reasons to be confidential. So all that to say, you can see each other's comments. You can see who's commenting so far. I want to remind you, though, make sure that when you file your comments, you say who you are, um, your, your role in the industry. If it's important, it just kind of adds a little bit more depth to your comments. And then respond to the questions that are in the text of the rulemaking. I'll link, link to a bunch of this stuff in the comments. Um, but I, I just, I can't say it enough. I'd love everybody who has any sort of touch of detention and demurrage to go check out this rulemaking and to see if there's any way that you can contribute to the conversation. It's not often that you have a open alleyway to the federal government. And this is that. They want to hear from you. They want to hear your comments. So <clears throat> questions about any of this, please feel free to reach out to me via my company, Squall Strategies. Again, the comments, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes, it should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, please contact an attorney. So if you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.